Welcome to the 11th episode of the Quilting Stories podcast. Stay tuned for our interview with quilter Bill Stearman. The Quilting Stories podcast is brought to you by Olaso. For the last year, I've been using the TG1600 Pro Smart Iron from Olaso. And what is an Olaso Smart Iron? The Smart Iron features Olaso's patented iTouch technology. And how that works is you simply touch the handle and the iron lowers ready to iron. And when you take your hand off the handle, the patented Scotch Guard lifts the iron off the ironing board to prevent scorches, burns, and tipping. As I said, I've been using the Oloso TG1600 Pro Smart Iron for the last year, and it's really been a fun ironing experience. You can check out the Oloso Smart Irons at your local quilting store or wherever you buy your sewing and quilting supplies. Welcome back to the Quilting Stories podcast. I'm joined on today's podcast by my co-host, Elaine Poplin, a quilter from Huntsville, Alabama. And our guest today is quilter Bill Stearman. Bill is a Canadian quilter. On his website, Bill describes himself as, I'm just a guy who likes to make quilts and tell stories. Bill, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Great. Well, at the beginning, I'll just say I'm the host, Jeff Rutherford, on Instagram, at Jeff Rutherford. And Elaine, my co-host, is at Messy Goat. And Bill is on Instagram as Bill underscore Stearman. Um, so I guess we'll just jump into the questions now. All right. So, Bill, I have one for you. How would you describe the quilts that you currently make for our listeners? Uh, the quilts that I'm making right now um, have taken... In the last little while, I've kind of taken a different direction, and I did a quilt not too long ago called um, "The Power of One," and it's kind of based on the the notion that you know we have power as one person, um, and we say things and can do things and have conversations that people might be, not be comfortable having, and we can do it very gently with a quilt, and that'll it will initiate conversations. So, you know, the last couple I've done a, 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 a Black Lives Matter. Um, certainly lots to deal with trans issues and the issues of, of, of gender and gender fluidity. Um, I'm working on one right now on, um, that deals with liver cancer, which is a whole other thing that we may or may not talk about. But yeah, I just, I just want to work on things and start conversations and get people talking about different sorts of things. Sean Kimber is my all time hero. You might not know that. Uh, I understand why. <laughs> well, how did how did you? Yeah, how did you get started sewing and quilting, Bill? Um, about seven years ago, I had um, cellulitis, which is pretty painful. And normally, they just give you um, an antibiotic in a little pump, um, and that clears it up. It didn't for me. I ended up in the hospital for two weeks, and it kept growing and it and change and not getting any better. And every day they'd change the dressing and the doctor would draw the line where they were going to cut off my leg if it turned into flesh-eating disease. And it didn't, of course. Um, and anyway, so when I came home, I had incredible pain. And as soon as they, you take pain pills, they gave me tons of really good pain pills. But that kills your brain. And I live my life with attention deficit disorder. And if I don't have that whole other world that is 
whirling and buzzing inside my head, then I don't want to live. I can't. So I just quit taking the pills and looked for other ways to deal with pain. Somebody said, try making a quilt. So I got myself a $100 sewing machine and I started to sew. And I don't feel pain when I sew. I, I think maybe it's just because I'm so focused on what it is I'm doing. And it, uh, anyway, I don't feel pain. And so I started sewing seven years ago and, and haven't quit. I'm probably about 100 and, 150 quilts since then. Wow. That's amazing. I totally understand, though, that, that buzzing, if I don't feel it, I'm I'm not alive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and I haven't I have not felt it for the past three years and I started to feel it this week and I'm over the moon. Um Good. yeah. So several of your quilts are political in nature. And I know you said you were inspired by Sean Kimber. Um I am too, so I'm fascinated by this. Can you tell us about your political quilts? What appeals to you about making them? And you know, I'm asking this selfishly because I want to go into that. Katarina, I think it's just um, I'm just kind of back up a little bit with my life, and you know, if I talk too much, just edit it out. Um, but I, I, I came out at age 47, so I had a, you know, the bulk of my life lived with these terrible secrets, and not not terrible, but secrets, things, you know, hiding, hiding, hiding all the time. And and now that I am absolutely fully out, married, and as out as you can possibly be. I don't want to have anything to hide. So that means whatever I think and whatever I feel, I want to shout it at people. And I learned early on that when you shout things, your your beliefs and views at people, when you shout views at them, they just shout back at you. And I absolutely love the gentleness that can come with doing these things through a quilt. And I think about the very first one I did was um, my apology quilt, where our, our prime minister in November of 2017 in the House of Commons apologized to um, LGBTQ2 Canadians for injustices done to us by the government, um, sanctioned by the government and while, you know, with government knowledge. Um, and that was incredibly moving and it's an incredibly moving quilt. And I, I love to have people look at it. I wish it was in front of people right now because when you look at it, you see the last three sentences first. Um, we are wrong, we were wrong, we are sorry, and we will never let it happen again. And those letters are, are applicate on the quilt and they're done in, uh, they're done in indigo and the last sentence is done with indigo that's kind of faded in places to get, our, our prime minister was in tears when he delivered that part. And so was I. So that was my first political quilt. And I don't know whether I've answered your question. No, absolutely. Um, incredibly, I get the chills every time I see that one. Incredibly important to me. Um, if there's a quilt I want to be remembered by if I ever die, that's it. Um, it is my hope that it will end up in the Canadian Museum of Human Rights. Beautiful. That's great. Well, if I'm not mistaken, you dye some of the fabric that you use in your quilts. When did you get started dyeing? Um, <clears throat> pretty early on, I... I, I um, discovered Halliburton School of Art and Design here in Canada, in Ontario. And um, yeah, so I, I looked at classes and I saw a class on dyeing for quilt makers. So I was like, oh, there you go. So I, I took a class and I just fell in love with it. Human attention deficit, you need to dye fabric because it's just, well, it's just, you just, it's just poking, 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 you know, poking, <laughs> and poking. 
I mean, any teacher I ever had will tell you that that's a description of me. And I've fallen in love. I've been, I have been known, I had one summer when I think I dyed about 110 meters of fabric. Meters, that's yards. Um, for my American friends. So yeah, no, I, I, I love to dye. I'm working right now through Maywa in, um, in British Columbia and doing, starting to work with natural dyes. And I've not had luck with them before, but I'm taking a, 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 an online course that I can only afford to take because it's online. Um, and yeah, I'm hoping that they're, they're getting fabulous results with natural dyes. So I'm going to keep dying. Very, very yeah. cool. Great. Yeah. Has the pandemic impacted your quilting at all or your what you're trying to say through your quilts? Uh, yeah, yeah, it has. Um, and in the midst of the pandemic, um, well, actually kind of at the very start of it, we um, had bought a new house in the, uh, back in the community that my husband and I are both from. And we're getting ready and think to move. And then, bang, this hit. And we were, you know, downsizing. They, they call it staging, but it may, basically means making it look like nobody lives in your house. So two old guys who are both in our 70s are carting stuff off to storage lockers and doing all that stuff during this and having people come and look at our house so you know the whole and every time somebody came in we had to disinfect surfaces and spray and it, the whole process and moving um to get movers to come and move you it was it was and, and in canada things are really very strict um and people follow rules very very closely and carefully so that was it was really rough that way um i only did one quilt in that whole time and and that quilt um yeah it, it it kind of in the middle of working on it and i started calling it that time before and i wanted it to speak to the time before when we could hug and do all those wonderful things and in the middle of doing it the whole george floyd thing happened and along with the pandemic and the rest you know that kind of so that just became what that quilt then became about um yeah so the pandemic is just and then once I got moved, I blamed settling, but I haven't really accomplished. I probably have done about, since last March, I've probably finished about four quilts. And that's not like me at all. Now, one of them did get juried into QuiltCon, and you can see that next weekend. That's great. Well, I know that you've made several disappearing nine-patch quilts. What was your first disappearing nine-patch, and what appeals to you about that pattern? Um... The first one I made is it's a double disappearing nine patch. <clears throat> and the first one I made was um, 10 months into quilting. It was one of the first, I don't know, probably the fifth quilt that I made and ended up getting juried into Quilt Canada, which surprised me. But I just love what you can do with the double disappearing nine patch. Um, I do it a lot with hand dyed fabrics at the moment and I do it in big pieces. You have a look at my website or um, you know, you'll find one called My Left Brain which is, you know, a hundred and some inches by a hundred and some inches. And it's just this blocks of uh, double disappearing nine patch blocks of color and, and dyed color. And the double disappearing nine patch, you can just move color and get movement and um, so beautifully. Um, so, and once I became obsessed with it, then it was just a matter of, okay, how many different ways, how many different things can I do with this? Um, I, I lecture an awful lot. I'm, I'm right now, that's all I do. I do what I call a backpack show. I'm not teaching virtually. Um, I don't have the attention span to sit still that long. Um, but I can do a one hour 
lecture. And it's double deciphering nine patches, what I was teaching. I've got some patterns that I've made with it. Um, yeah, I'm certainly not bored with it. It's just, it's limitless what you can do with just one simple pattern. Exactly. And and you mentioned your, your website. Can you tell us how to get to that website? The easiest way is just um, www.billstearman.com. Um, it's a blog spot, so it'll have a different Great. name when you get there, but it's, I've got a pointer. Yep. Yeah. So I love the idea, and I share the idea that there's so many different ways to do the same pattern that you can explore and explore and explore. I mean, that's that's pretty much the only way I can possibly work in a series because I can't make the same thing over and over. Right. <laughs> what inspires a new quilt for you? So when you decide to go off into the weeds and try something different, when you get a new new idea, do you start on it right away? Does it cook for a while? Um, it generally cooks for a little while. Um, I also have a shelf in my studio with bins, little those little closed plastic bins of things that I've started. So I'm, I'm finishing right now an Orbiter quilt, a Lips Elliot, um, 96 inch square, except I made it 16 inches bigger because I wanted a king size bedspread size. So when that's done, and it'll be done this weekend, I need something else to do. And so I've got a bunch of bins and I just, I'll pull one of those out and start working on it. But I have an idea in the back of my head of something that I really want to respond to. And I think that will be my next finish. Um, I want to, um, I, I won't get into a whole lot of the details of it, but over Christmas I had a gallbladder attack. And when I took out my gallbladder, the surgeon who did it was um, a, a, in low, it was a locum. So he wasn't even from the hospital, but he was home for Christmas, came in to help out and discovered that I had um, an, an irregularity in my liver and it turned out to be liver cancer. So, you know, your life just kind of, in a month, your life goes from nothing wrong and everything normal to, you know, let's figure out how we're going to do this because I really want to stick around for a while. We figured that out. It's going to happen, I hope. I'm meeting with the transplant folks in March. But, yeah, no, it's all good. But that's the quote that I want to do because what I discovered is as soon as I talk about liver disease, I get all of these people who first response from everybody, even my absolute best friends, is I didn't think you drank that much. And there's such a stigma around liver and liver disease, much like we used to be about mental health and mental health issues. And so I want to do a quote where I will shout to the world and I will say, I have liver disease. Um, you know, I have liver cancer. Um, and please don't anybody make any judgments or, you know, just you need to be proud and speak it out. And so that's the next one I'm going to do. I'm going to use, I think, denim, my old clothes. Because it's, you know, it's my life that's changed. Um, and I think splashes of hand dye kind of. But I think I may just spill the dye on the quilt. I don't know. But oh, wow. I'll pull out a box, a bin, and start working on. I've got some heart quilts and things. I work on one of those until this is firm in my head. It might be three months. They grow and I get sketched. And, and when it's time, I will sit down and I will do it and finish it in a matter of days. Yeah. When it tells well, you, I didn't, I didn't realize that about your health. Um, hope everything okay. goes okay. Yeah, no, it'll all be good. And most people don't realize it because I mean, it's, it's, it's what, six weeks into the whole right. thing. So, um, but I have the absolute best medical and because of this doctor and because of my gallbladder, 
um, you know, they found this. It, it normally, it wouldn't be found. Normally, liver cancer isn't found until it's so far advanced that there's nothing that can be done about it. You know, well, this is a absolutely, absolute beginning stages. Um, so it's, it's certainly treatable and if not, you know, curable. So I'm going for the cure because you know me, Jeff. That's the kind of guy that I am. But yeah, um, yeah, it'll all be good. Well, do you quilt your quilts yourself? I do not. I quilt by checkbook, um, but I have the very same person who does all of my quilts. And her name is Deanna Godar, um, quittystudios.com. Um, and she's fabulous. She is, she listens. I do, I design the quilt. I, I, I refuse to, I think sometimes I, I, I refuse to give a quilt to somebody and say, you just quilt it the way you feel because it's my story. You know, it's my quilt. I have something to say. So I go to her. Um, generally, when I go, I have a, a copy of a photograph. Like I, I print it and on a resolution, low res copy of it. And then we draw on it. And I show her what I want her to do. Generally, frequently, she'll tell me she can't do it. Um, and I just say, sure, you can. And anyway, then she does it. So, yeah, and she <laughs> loves doing it. I mean... She, my quilts automatically go to the top of the pile. Um, and yeah, it, I, I don't have time to learn how to quilt. So, and she does it beautifully. So I call myself a quilt maker and not a quilter. Oh, I think we're all versions of the same thing. We enjoy the Agreed. process at different places. So, right. but as a quilter, um, I have only barely started taking in quilts for other people, but it is kind of paralyzing when someone says, oh, do what you want. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. my style is mine. It's not yours. Don't tell me what you, if, if you want me to make my quilt for you. I mean, it's just weird when people tell yeah. me to do what I want. The years that um, Jeff and I went to QuiltCon, the only time that I've managed to get there. Um, and that was one of the things that struck me is the number of times that I looked at a quilt and I could see two stories in the quilt. Um, you know, the story of the quilter and the story of the quilt maker. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that's not what I want my quilts to be. I want my no. quilts to be my no. story. Yeah, I don't I don't want the quilting ever to distract from the story that is being told. Right. So um, when you're working on a quilt, are there colors that you find yourself gravitating to? Mm, I, I'm in love with indigo, just about anything that has indigo in it, um, and rust. Oh my gosh, I love rust. But other than that, um, if you look, you'll pretty much see I have a thing for bright colors. Um, and because I love bright colors so much, I, I use a lot of black as a background, a lot of white as a background. Um, and quite often I use a lot of Kona mushroom too, because that's a really fabulous mm -hmm. color to show off um, hand-dyed fabrics from. Um, yeah, but I love color and I'm not, a, I, I just don't be afraid. Just use color. Uh, how do you choose a color scheme when you're working on something? You know, I often have people ask me that. And that's one of the reasons that I, I took a, a color workshop just to learn about the color wheel. And I still don't understand the color wheel, but I do find that when I pick a bunch of colors that go together and that I think I like when I'm done the quilt, I can sit down with a color wheel and say, okay, this is why I like it. So <clears throat> it's just instinct, intuition for me. Um, I don't, 
it's not anything as engineered or as with the color wheel, but it seems to just kind of naturally end up that way. And sometimes I just look and say, somebody said these two colors don't go together. So I just use them together. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> exactly. 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 There are no rules. I mean, I live so much of my life following rules. I have no intention of, you know, being confined and constricted by rules now. Yeah. Well, I have never there... seen a quote police badge yet, so I'm just yeah. going to keep on trucking. Exactly. <laughs> What what inspires you creatively? Are there things that inspire you creatively beyond um, just the sewing and, and the fabric and the colors? Um, people and, and the stories that I find with people. Um, I met a, um, a young artist who uh, has become a huge in, inspiration for me in a lot of levels. Um, and I and anyway, I, I, when I met this artist. They were in grade one and identified, or were identified um, using pronouns she, her, um, and they now identify using the pronoun they, and they've influenced my work tremendously, a lot of my work in that. I don't think I would have been as aware of trends and trans issues if I hadn't looked at this young artist and looked at their face and seen the anguish and the pain that they had as we talked about some of the issues that they face in their life. So certainly people and, and stories from people, are, they just seem to get absorbed into me. Um, and then they have to come out of me somehow or I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. All right. If you are talking with someone who's intrigued by quilting, but a little afraid to get started, um, you had already mentioned how you got started. Someone suggested that you quilt as a way to deal with, with pain as you were recovering from cellulitis. But if you were talking to someone who wanted to start, who's inspired by your story, what advice would you offer? You know, it's, it's, I, I get asked, asked that fairly often. And one of the first things that I do is, is recommend to people that they do two things at the same time. Um, and that is, first of all, that they sit down a little bit with me and just look at the whole notion of improv and just, so, 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 so pieces. But the other thing I think that you have to do, and I did do it, is I took a class, um, and I, you know, I, follow, I know the rules. I know how to do things. I know how they should be done. I just mostly choose not to do them that way. But I think anybody in or the first place to start is figuring out what it is you like to do. And if you want to do improv, then play with that a little bit to start with. But then learn the rules, take a class, know how to do things, know how to get a consistent quarter inch seam, know how to sew curves, and then throw those rules out. But be comfortable sewing curves, um, you know, half square triangles, just learn the words, learn how to do it the right way, and then just have fun with it. Absolutely. Yep. You have to know the rules to know how to break the rules without. And especially as a male person, you must find this as well. But there are a lot of people who sit there and say, you know, oh, you're only you only get attention, Bill, because you're a guy. And it's really, really important <laughs> for me that people know that I can sew. You know, that I know I that I I can precisely piece, I can do anything that a female quilter can do. And if my voice through quilting is getting recognition, it's not because of gender. It's because yeah. I take risks, I believe. 
that argument frustrates me. I mean, I can understand in some cases why people might have it, but at the same time, it's not the the guys that I know that are getting the recognition deserve it. It doesn't matter. That's the way I look at it. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, just take the gender off of it and I would still react to the quilt. I would hope so. I mean, certainly the topics would be much more, would be, would be much different. Although I do have, I mean, I, I, I have one quilt that I don't use very often in my backpack shows just because I'm still not comfortable. Well, I'm more comfortable than I was, but it makes people too uncomfortable. And that's a quilt that I do, that I did that addresses um, me being raped as an 11 year old. Um, and I think it's a beautiful quote. I think it's incredibly powerful. Um, it's just all it says. It's, it's I can't remember his name um, on the quilt, and I can't remember what. Anyway, it was. It's. It's. I can't remember what the question was. But anyway, that's that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's that's uh, that's a um, impactful quilt. I have to say. Okay. Um, uh, you mentioned Sean. Okay. Um, no, go I ahead. I remember showing it one time, though, to a group because um, I was really comfortable with them. So I pulled it out and showed them and we talked about it. And afterwards, I got a woman come up to me and tell me about being sexually abused by an uncle from the age of eight um, until she left home at 14 and about having, uh, you know, another children, like three children um, before she was cured of her addictions, alcoholism, and then meeting her current husband and having kids with him. And he knew nothing and no one in her entire life knew anything about the things that happened to her before the age of 20 because she hadn't ever talked to them about anybody. And so we talked and hugged and did all that stuff. And when I was all packed up and on my way out to the car, she was in the parking lot with the three women that she had been sitting with, arms around each other, all all four of them sobbing. And I thought, that's why I talk about the things that I talk about. That quilt made a difference for that woman and will therefore for her friends. So that's right. Why, yeah. Wow. Um, well, you mentioned Sean uh, Kimber earlier as a huge inspiration. Are there other quilters that have inspired you along the way? Oh my goodness. I have, I, I quit buying fabric by anybody who I don't know. And the more, <laughs> the, the more time I spend, the more people I get to know. So it doesn't limit buying fabric, but, Liz Elliott, who has become a, a, a good friend, and she's she's a fabulous talent. Um, she's she's local-ish. Um, she's a huge. I, I love her use of color, and I love just her attitude. Jackie Gearing, I've taken classes with her. She's a huge. I adore that woman. Um, Elaine Quayle here in Canada taught me an awful lot about fabric dyeing, and Maggie Vanderweight, who does more art quilt things, has certainly influenced. Victoria Finley Wolf is a huge, huge, huge influence on me and, and also a friend. Um, I get to pet sit for her for used to back when, <clears throat> back when she was able to go somewhere and I was able to cross that border. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I'm sure I've left someone out and I apologize to anybody I did, but huge numbers of people that have influenced. Yeah, that's Great. a difficult question to answer, I think, for any quilter <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> Because I always want to wait. No, no, it feels like an Oscar acceptance speech. Well, somebody asked me in the last podcast I did, um, name three. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay, so I named seven. Um, 
I don't <laughs> count well. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I don't. You know, I ran out. I don't have things. Pick your favorite child. No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, it's like in here. Um, we have a family that has um that has four kids in it, and you're only allowed to have a group in your house. Well, now it's changed. It's in our area, but you're only allowed to have a grouping of five people in your house. So this lady is well. I'm not sure which kid has to go, but. Rules are meant to be broken when they need to be. Well, yeah. So, what kind of sewing machine do you use now? I, mean, I assume you've upgraded from your $100 sewing machine. Um, I have. At one time, I had a, a top of the line Janome, and then I had a, a Bernina, and I now sew with a Zuki, a Juki, and I will always sew with a Juki. It's, they're such a fabulous price. They're such a fabulous machine. Um, yeah, they don't. The only thing it doesn't do is sometimes I want to do a blanket stitch, and it doesn't do a blanket stitch. But I've got enough old machines. I've got about a dozen vintage machines, nineteen, all pre nineteen fifty five, I think. Um, and I've, I've got one that's a little newer that I use when I need a fancy stitch. But my Juki is is my go to setup all the time. I will never be without a Juki. I have had what, what Juki do you have? Uh, it is the 2010. Same as mine. I love it. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I saw yeah, I saw that. No, it's fabulous. It's it is the best. It was just it just is it's fun to sew with. I I tell people I swear if I could thread Baylor twine, it would sew with Baylor twine. I have no issues with with thread or stitch or any, and if I do, I change the needle and clean it out. And yeah, it's just the most basic and reliable machine. Now, Juki should hire, give me a new one just for having said this. Elaine, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you got to get one. Yeah, well, yeah. but they scare me. I sat down at one at a at several quilt shows, and I'm always afraid it's going to take off my hand. You can, turn, I just, you, can, you can turn it down. You can slow it down. So, yeah, but I mean, I sew, I mean, Jeff can attest to this. I am extremely prolific. I sew very fast, but I don't let my needle go very fast. Uh -huh. So it pedals to the floor, but I've got it set. I have a Janome. I've got it set probably mid-range speed. Right. And so every time I've sat at one at a show, they've always had it cranked all the way up. And it's, you know, it's going so fast. I'm like, oh, my God. Well, just reach, just, yeah. just reach over to the right side and turn it to, you know, turn it to rabbit. Um, it'll go like, you know, you could, it'll go, do, do, it'll go as slow as you ever want it to go wow. and faster than you want it to go. It's yeah. Right. Yeah. Those are nice machines. Well, I'm curious, do you have any uh, notion or ruler or tool that's a favorite of yours that you would mention? You know, I'm pretty much a basic sort of guy, but the one tool that I will could not live without is uh, painter's tape. Um, that's how I do my quarter inch seam. I just a couple layers of painter's tape along the edge, and that's the seam that I'm going to use for the project I'm working on. Like sometimes it's, it's scant, sometimes it's yeah, the painter's tape. I can't live without it. Um, yeah. That's great. Well, that's all the questions that we had. I'm not sure if you had any final thoughts about uh, your your quilts or quilting. Um, no, I no, I I 
I, I just was excited to be asked to do this. And great. I, mean, I can talk about quilts forever, but there's not really, it's hard when the quilt's not there for people to see it. Sure, sure. Well, again, we've been speaking with quilter Bill Stearman. You can find his work online at BillStearman.com or at Instagram at Bill underscore Stearman. And Bill, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thank you to both of you. Good to meet you. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine. Thanks, Jeff. Have a great day.